our goal, and I want to talk about this today, but our goal is to launch a second campus on the east side of Jackson on October 1st. So that's this fall. That's pretty aggressive um, with the major renovations that's required. Of course, in doing that, you, you learn things have to be replaced that you didn't count on and you're over budget, but we knew that would happen. But I want you to know that launching a campus is not just a strategy. It's not a growth strategy. We will grow, but it's not our strategy. It's because we feel the leading of the Holy Spirit as a church to launch another campus on the east side. So I want to circle back to something that happened last year in August just to kind of remind you. It was not on our radar to launch another campus a year ago. Back in 2017, when we knew we were going to outgrow the old building, or which is now the kids' wing over there, when we were going to outgrow that, I, it was uh, we knew by the end of 2018 we wouldn't have no more room. And I was in San Francisco with Pastor Lee, my pastor. He pastors Radiant Church in Kalamazoo. And I'm telling him this, like, I don't know what to do if we build. I don't think we have the resources for that. So should I build or should I just launch another campus? And we're, in, you know, we're going to be in two locations. And he's intuitively prophetic. So he doesn't explain what he says next. He doesn't unpack it. There's no conversation. Real quick, I mean, as soon as I'm like explaining it, and I'm taking a while, like 15 minutes unpacking the growth and what we're going to do and raising money and all that, but I don't know what it means. Are we going to build or are we going to do another location? And he says prophetically, it's both. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, yep, you're going you're gonna to build another building and you're going to have another location someday. And he said, no more, drink his coffee. We were in a coffee shop. Drink his coffee, and it was it. And uh, I was thinking, you know, does he know something I don't? So we ended up building, and we built this building here. And by the way, we're outpacing this building. That's why we have a third service, and many, probably at least 100 of us in this room. But every Sunday, we run over uh, 900 people every single Sunday all summer. That's pretty astounding. And so we're, we're outgrowing. We need another space of worship. Fourth service ain't going to do it. But, um, well, it could, but no one would come to that. Uh, but I want to share what happened a year ago in August. We had our seven-day prayer focus. And through the whole prayer focus that week, we were getting words like river, water, um, geyser, um, wells. I mean, just all these watering-type phrases. And then we ended our seven-day prayer focus with a prophetic presbytery for, um, from Pastor Lee Cummings, Pastor John Perminsky, and Wayne Drain. They don't attend here. They're from other churches, and we invite them in, and they pray over people in our church for about two months. They don't know their names. We just say, this is a couple in our church, or this is a, a single male in our church. And, so for, and we want them to come and give them a word based on what the Holy Spirit has revealed to them, only led by the Holy Spirit. And that's, that's over the whole weekend. And then we end the service uh, after they speak to the candidates, they speak to people in the congregation, and they give a word for the church. So during that seven-day prayer focus, Sycamore Baptist Church had just went off the market that week. Uh, someone had told us about it in the, in the spring, and we did go over and visit, and it was purely out of curiosity, not because I was thinking we're going to you know, buy a building or even launch a second campus. In fact, when I went and walked through it, I was invited to walk through it. They wanted a 1.2 or 1.3 million for the building. And I just said, there's no way. Like, I'm not saying it ain't worth that, but we're just not in a position to buy that. And I really don't have vision yet for having a second campus. So that happened and we just let it go. And then all summer, that, that, that church would circle back through our realtor and say, hey, they dropped it to 900000 No, we don't have 900000 They dropped it to 700000 We don't have 700000 And all summer long, they kept dropping it. Well, it went off the market. And that very week, the uh, pastor of that church emails me and says, I want you to buy this building. And he says, and I'll sell it to you for 400000 And And, you know, I kind of ignored it. I didn't follow up on his email because we had our prayer gatherings. We had guests coming in that weekend. He not only, he emailed me like every other day for a week, and then he kept calling the church every day. Crystal Allen, she, she answers the phone mostly if you call the church. And she said, Pastor Mike, this guy really, really wants to talk to you. And so she's telling me this. And I'm thinking, like, is the Holy Spirit doing something? I'm just told, like, he's, like, making it super obvious. So that weekend, we have our press crew. We have our guests, Pastor Lee, Pastor Wayne, John. They come in. 
We go out to lunch after service on that Sunday. We're going to have an evening service, but we go to lunch. And I'm getting ready to ask them. I'm getting ready to tell them about this building opportunity, this other campus, and Pastor Lee, because uh, I'm going to ask them. I don't, I'm saying, hey, i got to talk to you guys about something. And Pastor Lee says, again, prophetically, intuitive, he says, don't say anything because I have a word for your church tonight, and I don't want whatever you say to taint it or to color it. And uh, I said, okay. And I, and I wanted to say, I don't think your word's going to be about what I need wisdom on. But I listened listen to him, so I didn't say anything. That night comes, and we get very bold prophetic words. And I want to read some of it. because And the reason why I want to read it, because I want you to know, there's, you can do some things and grow based off strategy, and you're strategic. But there's other things you can grow based off the prophecy and the word of the Lord for you. So I want us to see this, why we're launching this campus, because it wasn't on our radar. It wasn't in our, like, tenure. Well, I mean, we did feel like one day we'll have other campuses, but not, you know, this year. So Pastor Wayne Drain, this was August 28th last year, doesn't know um, about uh, this other campus. Here's what he says. Remember, he had a vision he said, I, I was praying for your church on August 21st. He actually told us the day. On August 21st, I had a vision, and your church, I seen God lining up all, stacking these dominoes, and he said, one's about ready to fall, and then it's going to go. And then here's what he said. I don't have time to read all of it, but just a portion of it. Make it your aim to discover ways to bless your city and multiply tangible ways this autumn and spring. And, and as you discover new areas of service beyond your church walls to your city, the dominoes of transformation will begin to tip forward. And as you do what the Holy Spirit leads you to do, doors will open for you to move beyond addition to multiplication. Pause. This building is an addition to where we've been. Sycamore Campus will be a multiplied. We're about ready to be multiplied as a church. And look what he says next. By the summer of 23... You got to be really bold that you hear the Lord to give a date. This was last year, and here we are in the summer of 23, renovating a second location, and we are going to be multiplied. Give the Lord some glory. That's a big deal. I see ministry, influence, and salvations and disciples multiplying as you discern this tipping point, a time of critical mass. I will see... I see you being given the keys to unlock transformation across the city that you have been called to. So that was his word. He didn't know about that building. And we did not know that in the summer of 23, we would be multiplying as a congregation. Then Pastor Lee gave this word. You're still carrying the vision of a praying and worshiping church. And the Lord says, because you've been faithful to that vision and because you've dug a well, he doesn't know that all week long, Wells and water was the theme the Lord had given us all week. You had gone deeper in order to reach the refreshing waters of the presence of God. The Lord said, I'm going to give you governmental authority in this city. And I give you, listen to this, another house. Another room for your family. Church is a spiritual family. I believe this is the same week this pastor is reaching out to us. The season of planting has come to an end. The summer is over. Lift up your eyes because the harvest time is before you. Prepare the house. Prepare the people for the harvest in Jesus' name. Now, that was Sunday night. Monday morning, I called this pastor, and he said, listen, uh, I have another buyer. He told me what they were buying it for. He says, I will sell this to you for 400000 I don't want this to go to some business. I want it to go for kingdom work. I said, I need to pray about this. Give me a week. I tell the staff Tuesday or the pastor's meeting, I'm telling them, what do you think about a multiple locations? I mean, that's what this would imply. And Mike, Pastor Michael, and he's back, by the way. Didn't he do awesome today? He's been gone for two months. Yeah, he's so good. <laughs> Pastor Michael said, well, you know that Pastor Lee said he was going to give us another house and another room. And I did not remember that. I said, when? He said, two days ago, Sunday night. He said, God's going to give us another room and another house. I went back, listened to the audio. I'm like, oh, my gosh, the Lord did say that. I'm telling you this for two reasons. One, to show you this is not strategy, it's prophetic. And I believe in the prophetic words that affirm. By the way, we, we have him reaching out. 
the price drops from 1.3 million to 400,000. God just, he doesn't give up. The, the pastor over there, he reaches out to, he's telling us all week long about water. Pastor Lee gives a word about watering the city and he tells us about another room and another house. And then you jump on the vision by saying, we'll commit to $1.8 million to make this a reality. So your generosity is affirming that it's the Lord. That's one reason. And the second reason is just to respond to Lee's part where he says, prepare the house, prepare the people for the harvest. I think we're going to experience a harvest as a church. So I want to talk to you about that today, mainly about serving the vision of the church, because our goal is to launch October 1st. We want to launch with 100 people transferring from here to there, and we got that. So there is room and opportunity to, to serve in this location as well. But I, I want us to see how the early church operated and then talk about how we're going to prepare for this other campus. Acts 2, chapter 42, this is the early church. It says, all the believers, will you say those first three words with me? All the believers, say that again, all the believers, how many all. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them. What? All. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and all the believers met together in one place, shared everything they had in they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in needs. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity and all the while praising God, enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. I read this and this is the mark to me of a healthy church. People serving, generosity, people growing, people coming to faith. We see that the, the miraculous signs, so there's healing that's happening um, you see true community. And this is what the community looked like for the early believers. But as I was reading this, the word all, that's why I highlighted it in the text, all devoted themselves. And what that told me is that the early Christians didn't attend church. They were the church. The early church wasn't like, hey, what service are you, what, what service are you attending? They were actually devoted to the life force of that church. So I want to, before I jump into the miracle of the church, because church is miraculous. People get saved, people get healed. I want to talk to you, the reason the local church exists. Four reasons. Number one, it's a sacred space for all people to encounter the presence of God. That's what church is. Like It is a gathering. And when you see the word church in the New Testament, it's the Greek word ekklesia. It literally means, we would translate it to this way in our culture, it means a, a town hall meeting. So in, a, in, in the Greek culture or in the Roman culture, if they were to call like a town hall meeting, they would use the word ekklesia. Hey, we need to, the whole community needs to come together. We got something to say, ecclesia. And so the, in the early church, grab that Greek word to describe what was happening with Christians. We're going to gather together. That's why it says the temple courts and in homes. But it's more than just a town hall meeting where we all get together to hear something that's going to be said. The scriptures tells us that church is sacred. This is a space, an ecclesia, where we come together, but it's sacred. God tells us this in Leviticus 23. There's six days you may work, but the seventh day is a, a Sabbath day rest. A day of what? Sacred assembly. And it tells us for what? To the Lord. If you're here this afternoon, you are participating in something sacred. Church is not an obligation. It's not a have to. It is sacred. And when you come into this place and it's unto the Lord, the Lord is here. You know, we, we often talk about the omnipresence of God. It means God is everywhere all the time. And that's true. But there's a difference between the omnipresence of God and the manifestation of the presence of God. That happens inside the corporate gathering, which is this. You are part of something sacred, and God manifests his presence here. That's why when people show up Sunday, they weep. 
when they, they feel God, they start crying. That's why people, they come in hopeless, but they leave with a little more hope than they came in with. It's a sacred assembly. Number two, the church is God's design for community and spiritual growth. We just read this. It said they devoted themselves to the apostles, teaching, that's spiritual growth, and to fellowship, that's community. That's how God designed the ecclesia, the church, to be a community of believers, and we grow spiritually when we connect together within the side of the sacred gathering. So some would say, and I would agree with the statement, I wouldn't agree with the outcome of it, but I agree with the statement, say, well, you don't have to be a, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. So that's why I don't go. I come sometimes every once in a while, usually Christmas, Easter. But I don't, you don't have to go to church to be Christian. I'd agree with that, yeah. But it's kind of like saying, I don't have to live with my wife to be married. That is what you're saying. It's the same thing. Like, no, it's not. Yes, it is. Especially as you study the New Testament and what the church looked like, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian, but it's not healthy. Would not be good for my marriage if I went to Jen and said, listen, I want to be married. I love being married. But how about I just show up on our anniversary. I'll get an apartment, do my own little thing. And, you know, I don't have to live with you to be married to you, right? You're good with that, right? Because we're, we're still married. I still believe in you, still love you. And you, you may cock your head at that, but let me say something. Because the Bible describes the church as the bride of Christ, so when you make the statement or believe or live in the reality, I don't have to go to church, you're saying that, you know, I don't like your bride. And that's the reality. Because it's God's design for church, for spiritual family. It's likened to a marriage according to scriptures. So that's, uh, the reason the church exists is God's design for community and growth. Number three, the church is the main vehicle used by God to reach the world. Church is one of the primary ways that people come to faith. They come to a gathering. They, they encounter the presence of God. They give their heart to the Lord. Church is the main vehicle that is used by God to reach the world. It's the hope of the world. It's God's number one plan. It's plan A, and there is no plan B. Some would say, uh, well, what about paraministries? Is God using that? I said, yes, but it's not his main plan. You know, the paraministries are ministries outside of the church, compassion ministries. We sow into that. We sow in the missionaries. But if there's a paraministry that is not funneling people back to the local church, we won't give to that because it's not kingdom-centered. It's lopsided. It's not healthy. We want to invest into paraministries that believe in the local church. It's interesting. Paraministries go to the church to be financed, but then bash the church. I won't support that. I've had organizations. I had a missionary come to me years ago when we were planting. Or when we had planted, we were building the second location, and he takes me out. To breakfast, wants to share his vision and, he, and this, what he's doing, and he bashes his previous pastor pretty bad. Starts talking about, you know, all the local church, all, every, all they really want is money, and it's always about building projects, and, and he's going on and on, and I stopped him. I said, I was raising money to build this very room that you're in, and I stopped him. I said, hey, have you ever tried to raise a million bucks? He just stopped, and because um, I was offended. I had to forgive him. Like when I left, and you know what? I didn't give to his ministry because he doesn't believe in the local church. And yet, he wants the local church to fund him. You see how backwards that is? Because the church is God's plan to reach the world, not paraministries. They're to, they're to supplement and to bring life to a community or care for community. But it is not the same thing as the ecclesia, the sacred assembly of God's people that reaches the world. Here's how we know this. Ephesians 3. This is Paul talking about why Jesus comes. He dies and raises again. And look what he says. God's purpose in all this. What? The resurrection of Jesus. Him coming. sharing. God's purpose in all is this. So you would pray a prayer so you don't go to hell. Wait. I thought that's the reason for the resurrection. No. Here's why. God's purpose in all this was to use what? The what? Church, ecclesia, to display his wisdom and rich variety 
to all the unseen rulers and authorities in heavenly places. Let me just pause here because it's really easy to look over this. It's unseen rulers in heavenly places? The purpose of the resurrection, Jesus coming here, is to use the church. This will be the vehicle which I will display my wisdom throughout the world. And the angels of heaven, the unseen realm, where there is authority, angels are paying attention to what's happening in this gathering and all the other gatherings in Jackson, the unseen world, angelic and demonic, know the power of the local church. It's God's main plan. Uh, to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and the authorities in heavenly places. This was his eternal plan. The church was God's plan. Number four, church is a place of healing. That's when, when they're talking about, they witness the uh, miracles and the signs and wonders. That's healing. I still believe God heals today. Jesus healed 2,000 years ago. Jesus still heals today. He's the same today, yesterday, and forever. I believe in healing. Now, why doesn't God, why don't people always get healed? I don't know, but I know God is always a healer. Last Sunday, we, we had a healing take. We have healings often in our church. You just don't hear about it, but I want to share one that happened last week. So back in Jan- June, we had our Holy Spirit class, and there was a woman at our class, and she was in a boot. And so I asked her, what happened? And she said, oh, I sprained my ankle. And so a few weeks go by. We're in mid-July. She still has a boot on. And I, I remember thinking, that's a long time for a sprained ankle. So I asked her, hey, what's going on with your ankle? And she said, oh, they found out I broke it, and it's not healing. And that was mid-July. And last Saturday, she, you know, she's hoping this week she'd be able to take her boot off. She can't because her ankle's still broken. She can actually feel the broke bone. She tells her husband, can you feel that? And he's like, oh, yeah, that's broken. That ain't coming off this week. She's discouraged. She comes to church this last, last week. She's here today. I talked to her. She came. I asked her permission to share this because she told me this this Thursday morning at prayer. She said, Pastor Mike, i got to tell you something. God healed me. So she, she gets a word. The prayer partners, first service, they pray for her. We have a prayer team that gathers first service, and they pray. And they got a word that God was going to heal people. Her name came up. They tell her this. So she's in second service, and she comes forward to get prayed for. And she says, so the prayer partner, he said, put her hand on my ankle, and I felt heat go through my body and literally felt my ankle heal. I was able to take the boot off that day. Monday was her appointment. They re-x-rayed it, and her ankle is fully healed. Church is the place of healing. Physically, spiritually, soul, your wounds, God wants to heal you. That's the power of the church. Hollywood can't produce that. Science can't produce that. Government can't produce that. The church is miraculous. And here's why I'm sharing all that. Because first, I want you to see the church as it's a place we encounter God. It's sacred. It's a place where we grow. It's true community. It's the place where God heals. It's how he's going to reach the world. Because if you get healed, you're probably going to invite people. Like, no, this place, God moves. But here's the problem. American Christians, Western America, we think Just sitting passively in the back row is all that is required of us as Christians. Let me say that again. We think sitting passively in the back row or front row or wherever you sit while not serving the vision of the church is all God requires of you. And we think the goal is finding a church that I can attend, that I like. That's the goal, right? Just find the place... And it's such an American way of thinking. But when we read Acts 2, we seen it said they all did it. They didn't go to church and attend. They were the church. I think the goal should be to engage with the vision and the mission of God. Be the church. Church is not an obligation. It's a sacred, holy responsibility that we are called to I think it should be odd that we don't serve feel the weight I can feel your eyes 
<laughs> I, I just do, but I do though, I think, why? Well, because church saved me, saved my marriage. When we showed up at Radiant Church, 1996, Labor Day weekend, we had been separated. Uh, we had talked about divorce. I was on my way to bankruptcy. I was a mess. Jen was a mess. We didn't know how to do marriage. I didn't know how to do being a dad. So the seven things, I show up in the midst of it, and I, I just love the church. I tell Pastor Lee I want to serve. Even though I was a mess, even though I was unqualified, and it like healed me. It saved my marriage. It's why we're here today. And I remember why I decided to go to that church. Because it was a church plan. It was their very first Sunday. 70 people were there. And uh, I go into the bathroom, and it was a set-up, tear-down thing. They met in a gym uh, of a school. And I go in the bathroom, and the pastor and the worship leader are changing their clothes in the bathroom because they had set up, so they want to get in the suits. It was back in the day when Christians wear suits. Thank God we don't do that anymore. But uh, they were changing their suits. And the worship leader tells us, like, really weird, off-putting joke. A little kind of inappropriate. Not gross or, you know, immoral but a little bit inappropriate, and it made me giggle. And so I, and what made me think like, oh, these people are real. And I want to be at a church where they're real. And I wasn't just going to sit and engage. And I remember telling Pastor Lee, I don't want to be a bench warmer. I want to be part, listen, but I'm kind of a mess. And he's like, that's okay. And I think some of us, we don't serve because we feel unqualified or we feel like our life is messy. Or, you know, if you knew, like, the mess of my life, you wouldn't even want me serving. Like, nope, because I know you'll get healed. Bring your mess. It's okay. But I do want to challenge us this morning. And let me pause and say this. If you're visiting today, the next few things I'm about to say is not for you. This is going to be for everyone who attends our church. This is going to be a little bit of a family meeting. Is that Okay. Have you ever like stayed the night at a friend's house and the friend gets in trouble and you're like in the living room, you're like, like sitting while mom and dad's at the t- table with them. So if you're visiting, you may have a little bit of that feeling, but mom and dad's going to have a conversation. We're going to have a conversation if this is your church home. Uh, because when we serve the vision of the church, and I think that should be normal. I think it should be abnormal that we just sit and attend. And I get some of us, you know, we're healing or we're sitting for a while. You can do that for a while, but it doesn't take you three years to heal. There's miraculous things that happen when you serve the vision of the church. And number one is this, that you actually are part of creating an environment where people can encounter the presence of God. God's presence is everywhere. What's the difference between churches that grow and churches that don't? Because all of them have the presence of God. Well, I would say there's life-giving churches who embrace the the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. You can feel the presence of God and feel the Spirit. And there's other churches who don't embrace the gifts or the works of the Holy Spirit. They have a form of godliness, but the power thereof, that's why they're not growing. God's just not moving through them. They believe in him. He loves them. He's there, you know, in an omnipresence way, but not in a manifested way. But you come to church and we feel his presence. It's because um, he's here. The other reason I would say is because you actually create a space for God to move. Of course he's present, but he uses us to be the vehicles of his presence. He uses us to be the vehicles of his miracle. We create the environment for people to come and encounter his presence without People who serve on Team Radiant, that doesn't happen. And it's every area, from parking lot to pulpit, from coffee team to the kids' wing. We are creating environments for people to encounter presence, the presence of God. It, it is from someone checking the mail and, and the admin way during the week, from someone cleaning the restaurant. We had a woman, just after COVID of 2020, we just started gathering. She's new to the church. And she made a statement like, your bathrooms are clean. How do you do that? And I'm like, we clean them. And she's like, I, I'm just used to church's bathrooms looking dungy. That's why they don't grow. They don't create environments that say, I thought about you coming. We had a, I met a woman 
so mid-July. She attended our church, I think back in March. She doesn't go here. Uh, there was a baptismal service, and she had a friend that was here. That's why she came. But she goes to another church in town. But I met her, and she said, talked about our service. And she was really, she was impressed. It's what she said. Here's what she said to me. We told our kids we're going to go to a different church. And the kids were like, no, I don't want to go to that church. I want to go to my church. So she's like, well, you know, so-and-so's there, and we want to go and support them. So we're going to go to Radiant this week. Now, here's the thing. If you are looking for a church, let me just pause. I'll come back to that story. We actually pray for our kids' ministry here. And we actually want it to be the best experience for your kid. We want to pass the faith on to your children. So anyone who serves in kids' ministry, thank you. Thank you for pouring into the lives of children. It is not babysitting. It is like passing on real faith to your kids. But we want it to be fun. We want it to be enjoyable. So we jokingly say, if you're looking for a church, don't bring your kids until you know you want to come. Because if your kids come with you, you're going to come because they aren't going to want to leave. You might hate the preaching, hate the music, whatever. But you're going to have to come because they're going to want to stay. So she brings her family. They go to kids. She said, we get in the car and we're leaving. And the first thing they say is, Mom, we don't want to go back to our church. We want to go to this church. That is an environment for children to encounter God. It is not, I'm not saying we're better than other churches. I don't think we figured it out. We got plenty of space to work on things. But our goal is happening. We told you, don't bring your kids if you're not going to stay here because they're going to want to be here. That's because it's the power of people believing. The miracle of the church is that when we serve it, we're creating that environment, the space, the sacred space where people come and encounter God's presence. It's not an obligation. It's a sacred responsibility. Number two, when you serve the church, the miracle is that you contribute to the spiritual progress of other people. When you serve the vision of the local church, you are contributing to the spiritual progress of other people. Paul tells us this in, in 1 Philippians 1.25. He, he's waffling between dying or serving the church in Philippi. And here's what he says to them. Convinced of this, that he wanted to live to serve. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and will continue with all of you for your progress. And joy and faith. So, that, so through my being with you again... Listen, when we show up again this week and again next week and again the following week, there's progress that is happening in people. And he says, again, that you're boasting in Christ and Jesus will abound on account of me for your progress on the account of me. When you serve, people are, are going to grow spiritually and there's going to be spiritual progress on account of your dedication to the church. People grow when you serve. Pastor John Coston, he, uh, he attended Radiant Church in Kalamazoo. He's, he's here on staff now, but he was part of Radiant Church Kalamazoo with Jen and I. He was an elder there. I was an associate pastor. But he's kind of weird about the parking lot. If you know Pastor John, like, he's going to every Sunday talk about that parking lot. So I asked him, like, dude, why are you so weird about you know, I'm not being weird. He's like, I just believe in, like, that that matters. And I, okay, it matters. Well, help me understand. He said, well, he said, when I served in Kalamazoo, uh, he said, I met this man at a Team Radiant. Team Radiant is something we do. Like if you're new to the church, you come. Or I'm sorry, new to Radiant. New to Radiant, when you come, we, we'll sh you get to meet the pastor. So Pastor Lee's doing this thing called New to Radiant. He asked, us, asked everyone here, why you come to the church? And he said, and this guy pointed to John. And he said, oh, because of him. And so Lee asked him, what do you mean? He said, well, I'm not, I wasn't a Christian. And I didn't want to go to church. But a friend invited him, or maybe his wife invited him, I can't remember. He said, so I was invited, but I didn't want to go, but I went out of obligation. And he said, and I pulled into the church parking lot, and it was full. And I was like, yes, I don't have to go to church, it's full. But that guy, like, flagged me down in his smile. And he said, let me help you find a spot. So John helps this guy find a parking space, which he's not happy about, because now he's got to go to church. So he, but he shows up at church. I go in church, I'm moved by the message, and I give my life to Jesus and I want to thank, John never had met this guy, never seen this guy, other than help find a parking spot. And he said, that's why. John contributed to the spiritual progress by giving somebody a parking spot. Everything you do when you serve the local church is eternal. 
That man didn't know Jesus. He told us this. Know the Lord. When you serve the local church, you're creating environments for people to encounter his presence. When you serve the local church, you're contributing to the spiritual progress of other people. Number three, when you serve the local church, you are contributing to the spiritual climate of Jackson. Our job as a church, what I feel as a pastor, is our, our number one responsibility is to create the best experience for people. Well, what programs are you launching? What are you, when I get asked, what are you doing for the community, that sometimes comes up to me. And it's kind of, sometimes not always, I should probably believe the best. But when I'm not in my purest heart, I think skeptically, or I, think, I feel like they're criticizing or judging. And they'll say, what do you do for the community? And I say, my number one responsibility for the community is to provide the best church experience, not the best programs. Well, what programs are you launching? Here's, here's a program I'm launching at 9 a.m. called Church, and I do a second program at 1045 called Church, and then we do a third program at 1230 called Church. Because that's where healing happens. That's where encounters happen. That's where people encounter his love. And then the healing. And the, those who go to church, they launch programs. They serve the community. But we create an environment where they will grow spiritually. And then it changes the climate of Jackson. Because what happens is when the guy in the parking lot sees Pastor John flag him down, smiling at him, he gets saved. His life becomes better. And when his life becomes better, now he starts serving the local church the church gets better. And then when the church is getting better and providing a really good experience because people are all in, then that, that becomes an inviting to the climate of Jackson. And because if you go out of the church, you start changing the climate of the city. And you invite others to come in to encounter the presence of God. Acts 5 shows us this. And it says in verse 12, it says, and what's that second word? All. Not just attenders. All the believers were meeting regularly at the temple in the area known as Solomon's Colonnade. But no one was dared to join them, even though all the people had high regard to them. Let me just pause and just point out something. What they're saying is there were people in Jerusalem who actually respected the church, even though they didn't go there. Said so they held them in high regard. What's happening? Well, the community is noticing Verse 14, yet more and more people believed. So they're moving from just noticing and having high regard to coming in and now believing. And, and were brought to the Lord. Crowds, both men and women, as a result of the apostles' work. Listen, I know we're not apostles, but we are or called to the work of the ministry. And here's the result of the work. Sick people were brought into them on streets, on beds, and on mats so that Peter's shadow might fall across them as they went by. So they get healed, right? Verse 16, crowds came from the villages. The climate around Jerusalem was literally changing because the apostles were doing a work. Healing was happening. And now crowds from the villages, that's Parma, that's Leona. That, that is um, Brooklyn. That's Blackman Township. That's, that's Summit Township. That's, that, that is all these areas. What's the one um, I'm, I'm thinking of? Southeast. Napoleon. Oh, that's not Southeast. But Hanover, Horton. Yeah. This, when the church is healthy and you're serving, you're do, it says they're doing work. What is happening is the villages are coming. When you serve the local church, the miracle is one, you literally create an environment for people to encounter the very presence of Jesus. Two, they're going to grow spiritually. Children and kids ministry are growing spiritually. Three, you actually change the climate of the city. That's why I want our Sunday experience to be the best. When we launch a ton of programs, we get sideways. I, I think it was John Maxwell, he said, if you chase two rabbits, both will escape. Last thought is this, you grow. You actually grow spiritually when you serve the vision of the local church. You spiritually grow. When Jen and I started serving Radiant Church Kalamazoo, it healed our marriage. I began to grow Ultimately, seven years later, I end up on staff as an associate pastor. I didn't feel called to ministry, but 
but I grew spiritually. I began to heal. My finances began to get restored. I began to make better decisions, and I began to grow spiritually. I wonder, I had never served a church until I went to Radiant Church Kalamazoo. And I was always felt stuck or stunted in my growth. And when we fear serving for whatever reason, you risk being stunted in your faith. I say whatever reasons, because there are reasons people don't serve at church. Right? You work, many people work Sundays. That's a legitimate reason. Some people wish they didn't have to work. We have a, a, a woman in our church who works every other Sunday and serves every other Sunday. She just told me between services, hey, I now, I've never seen this. She said, I'm, I'm now unable to serve every Sunday because they gave me Sundays off. She said, 25 years working every other Sunday. She served the church every other week. She wanted to. But many of us, maybe you've been hurt by church. That's why you don't serve. I get that. But you can only heal for a while. Eventually, it's not years, maybe months. You got to heal. You got to forgive. You got to step in. You got to be part of it. Or you're going to be stunted spiritually. Some of us were afraid because we feel unqualified. That, that was Jen and I. Listen, we'll take the unqualified because the Holy Spirit will qualify you. Some of us, you feel like you can't do it. You know, I, I can't do it. I just, I'm afraid to do it. I don't know what to do. We train you. We make it easy. We don't just stick people and fill holes because we don't believe in that. We believe in the vision. We want to empower people so we make it easy. Some of us are like, you know what? I don't have time. I'm busy. I work 40 hours and I just want, you know, my Sundays to be, okay. None of us have time. You make time. We don't have time. We make it. My, my life's busy. My life was busy. When I walked into Radiant Church Kalamazoo, I was working third shift. Going to leadership training Sunday night. Tuesday night was band rehearsal. Wednesday night was church. Thursday night, we had a community group. Now that is too much. But I still made time. To lead worship on Wednesdays, even though I work third shift, I would do this. This is not about me, but I just want you to know, you find time to the things you're committed to. If you love fishing or golfing, you're going to find time to do that. And the church healed my marriage, so I made time for it. And I would work second shift or third shift, get up, Go home at 7 a.m., go to sleep, get up, drive. At that time, church rehearsal was in Grand Rapids, Michigan, because we didn't have a building. So I'd drive from Battle Creek, Michigan to Grand Rapids, rehearse till 9 p.m., get in my car, drive all the way back to Marshall, Michigan, to get to work by 11 p.m. to work that third shift. But I made time. And I grew spiritually. Paul reveals this in Ephesians 4. He said, instead we speak the truth in love, growing in every way, growing in every way, so that includes spiritually, more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church, ecclesia. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow. So here it is again. When you serve the church, you help others grow so that the whole body, so that it includes you, is healthy and growing. You get healthy when you serve the church. But when you don't, you will be stunted spiritually. Let me just land it. I'm, I'm, I'm going to pray in just a moment. We're going to launch on October 1st. And we have 80 people that we know have signed up, so it's an easy 100 because there's some that would just transport or transfer. So that's happening. So the greatest opportunity is actually going to be here in Spring Arbor. And we need people to serve the vision of the church. Here's what I say. The church does need you. But I don't want it to be an obligation. I want you to feel it as a sacred responsibility. But we need you. But not only do we need you, you need the church. This is why Paul tells us in, in 1 Corinthians 12, he says, 
The hand cannot say to the head, I don't need you. And the head can't say to the foot, I don't need you. And essentially when we don't get behind the vision and engage with the vision, we are saying, church, I don't need you. I say, well, that is spiritual ignorance and you're missing a great opportunity to grow in your faith. So may I challenge you? Can I challenge you if you go to church here? If you are here and you know this is your church home, we need you all in. We need you. I'm not, I don't want to be shy about saying that. We need you. If this is your church home, we need you sitting in the back row or in the middle or the front row and not engaging in the mission. It's just a bit, a little bit selfish. If you, if that is, if that's your approach to long-term Christianity, it's selfish. Because the early church didn't just attend, they were the church. They engaged in the vision and the life of it. We need you, but, but you also need us. Help us create an environment for people to come and encounter the presence of God. It's not right that 20% of the people do the work for the other 80. Be a part of the vision. You're going to grow spiritually. You're going to help other people. You might not know how oh, I get the fear. It's a big deal. So I want to make it easy. I'm asking you, especially if you're not serving yet, would you serve the Spring Arbor campus? Because we're, we're essentially good at Sycamore. We've sent our best leaders over there so that we can launch really well. Pastor Michael's going to go over there. Some key leaders are going to go over there, which means there's a lot of opportunity here. Here here's, are different areas you can serve in. This is not exhaustive. Children's ministry. You know, we create environments for your kids. My granddaughter loves Marta. Like, loves her. Uh, uh, the kids, the, the, the fifth, the, the XP3 ages, fifth to uh, seventh grade, they love Jesse. They love uh, Scott, depending on what service they go to. Ushers, greeters, care team. You know, care team's the facilities care. We have a gentleman who attends our church. He's a professor, has a doctorate. And he's part of our care team. And every Thursday, this well-educated man comes in, changes out our garbage, cleans the toilets, you know, cleans glass, and does, does listen, you think, like, that's like beneath him. No, it isn't. He gets it. He gets it. I'll just tell another story. Can I tell another story? I didn't tell the other services. Years ago in an old building, probably 2016, 2015, did a team rating. I, I think I did a, like, a message kind of like this about we don't, I think my main theme was like, we don't serve our gifting, we serve the vision. And God makes room for the gifting. And this guy comes up to me and he says, Pastor, I get all done, it's over. And he says, Pastor Mike, uh, he's a businessman, so he's established doing well in the community he says you know what I'm not the kind of guy who opens doors I'm a speaker and I'll serve if I can speak and I knew that attitude like no you will never be in the pulpit because you don't understand that it's about the vision not about you not about your your gifting so I love that this man who's a doctorate in our community serves on the care team video production. Like this location is going to be the location we stream to not only Sycamore, but one day other places. So we need video teams. One of the things that is not up there is our special needs room. We, we have a room called uh, Radiant Friends. It's for kids on the spectrum. And what I'm told is we're the only church in the community that provides this to that, that tribe of people within our community. And we can't actually advertise it because we don't have enough people to fill it. But there's a whole community of people whose children has autism or Asperger's or something like that. They can't come to church because there's no place for their child. So if you're gifted in that, tell us. Like, hey, we, we want to be part of it. Right now we can only provide one service, second service. But we don't advertise it because we don't have enough people for it. Worship tech. 
parking lot, prayer partner, all of these things. Here's how you can do this, and I'm going to pray. There's a QR code. You can scan that with your phone. It'll put you right to the app. Say, I want, tell us where you want to serve. We will follow up with you. If you don't have a smartphone, you can go to our website, radiantjxn.com. Click on the uh, Connect tab, and you can sign up that way. Or just grab the card in front of you, and we will follow up. You'll get an email today. If you, you sign it, we'll give you an email, and then someone from the church will be contacting you this week. We will help you find a place. At one of the services, someone said, you know, I need to pray about this first. I need to feel led, not just because, you know, you're passionate about it, because I am passionate about it. Here's what I would say. If you want to feel led, give me a pencil and I'll stab you in the leg and you'll feel led. (laughs) You got to lighten it up, right? It's a heavy message today. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for those right now scanning that code. Thank you for every person who's served the vision for years. Lord, I think of Marietta who's been part of our church since the very first Sunday and has served for the almost 10 years now. Every week she's here, unless she's on vacation. She loves church. Thank you for her. Thank you for everyone on Team Radiant. Thank you for those who serve in the parking lot, who come in during the week and answer phones or put papers together for kids' ministry. Father, thank you for every person, Lord, who comes to the front to pray over people. Thank you for the worship team who plays instruments to lead us beautifully into your presence. Bless them, Father. But I pray, Father, that we would own the vision, be passionate about what you're doing here so we could change our community for the kingdom of God. We love you. Thank you for inviting us into something sacred. We don't have to do this. We're invited to do this with you. And it's sacred, not out of obligation. In Jesus' name.